Let us pray together. God of mercy, guide us in all our reading, hearing, and thinking about your word today, that we may discern the golden nuggets of truth and sense the prods of empowerment as we seek to serve you in these days. For Jesus' sake, amen. Reading from the Old Testament, the book of the prophet Isaiah, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Reading also from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, moving around from section to section of this chapter. The disciples were doing all kinds of wonderful things and getting in trouble for it at this point in time. Now many signs and wonders were done among the people through the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico in the temple. No one, none of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Then the high priest took action. He and all who were with him, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, being filled with jealousy, arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out, and said, Go, stand in the temple, and tell the people the whole message about this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and went on with their teaching. Then the captain went with the temple police and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. When they brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you, have, you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. As they left the council, they rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. And every day in the temple and at home, they did not cease to teach 
and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gathering and sending. Gathering and sending. Gathering and sending. The universal rhythm of God's people. God gathers people into the presence of holiness, fills them with power from the deep divine supply, and sends them back into the world to speak God's word, challenge the powers and principalities of darkness, and humbly serve others in Jesus' name. Gathering and sending. Gathering and sending. The beat to which the church marches. Isaiah, a godly prophet, marched to the beat of God's drum. Born into a wealthy, well-connected family, he really only needed to go through life's motions to do well. Yet, Isaiah was driven to seek the Lord and found God seeking him. In a simple and powerful description of heavenly worship, Isaiah reports, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lofty. And he goes on and to describe the rest of that scene. God gathered Isaiah to the foot of heavenly power and gave him the deluxe worship treatment and, as you might expect, changing his life forever. Centuries passed after Isaiah, and God drenched the world with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and in the process formed the church, the ecclesia in Greek, when simply, which simply means the called out or gathered ones. The Spirit gathered disciples from the four winds and gave them an Isaiah-like taste of worship on that day. Rushing wind, tongues of fire, ecstatic worship. To this very day, the Holy Spirit continues to gather God's people into the divine presence, usually in ways that seem rather mundane in comparison to those examples, but for godly purposes, just the same. God draws people out of and away from daily life and into places and times of worship, each for our own reasons, and now in our own places. This truth remains. God's Spirit calls us out and gathers us to receive power and blessing from the divine storehouse, filling us with joy and hope, even, even in dark times. The Holy Spirit doesn't entice us into our holy fortresses and pump us full of spiritual steroids 
just so that we can look at each other and admire our wonderful faith physiques. That's not the point. Rather, God gathers us to send us out into the world. To do what? What did I say before? To speak God's word, challenge the powers and principalities of darkness, and humbly serve others in Jesus' name. Isaiah, amazed beyond imagining, provides us with a fitting example. The Holy One asks, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah responds immediately and, and vigorously, Here am I, send me. It wasn't because this was going to be an easy life. Read the next few verses in chapter 6, and you will see that quite the opposite is true. The word Isaiah spoke in that situation was one of judgment and correction to God's people. And they didn't much like it either. On Pentecost, years and years later, mathetoi, the Greek word for the gathered disciples and pupils of Jesus, became apostoloi. Sound a little familiar? The sent out ones. So rather than being the gathered ones, they were the sent out ones. Nudged by God's spirit into a hostile world, they faced persecution and beatings and arrest. In this particular story, they were let out of prison by an angel. But they didn't flee to the mountains as you might expect them to, but they marched back into the teeth of the opposition, following the angel's instructions. Go, stand in the temple, the angel said, and tell the people the whole message about this life. And off they go, sent out with joy by the Spirit from their jailhouse church to fulfill the great commission laid on them by our Lord Jesus Christ. Gathering and sending. Gathering and sending. Gathering and sending. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Churches with rhythm march to the beat of the Spirit's drum. We are gathered to be sent. That's our daily call. And one that takes unusual and unpredictable tur turns for me. I was gathered into your church family in the heat of last summer. God, through your session, invited me here. With all of my strengths and all of my crackpot ideas, and thought that I would be a blessing to you, and I hope I have been, but I've also been blessed by you. We've been gathered into worship and sent out into service many times since, and I have sought to fulfill my calling as our constitutional questions affirm with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love. I have tried and succeeded mostly in keeping my wits and my good sense of humor when occasionally the waters of conversation turned turbulent. Not too often, but once in a while. I've been honored to stand before you and your family members, blessing and, 
and baptizing you and your children. And even more honored to stand beside you as loved ones passed from this life into God's near presence. We have haggled and bargained. We have spent hours planning and preparing for this and for that. I think, I think, I could be wrong, but I think we are a calmer bunch now than when I arrived. Though transition anxiety slips quickly back into our emotional mix, let's not fool ourselves. I hope we understand more about who we are and from whence we have come and why it makes a difference. I've been impressed with how so many of you have reached down real deep, especially over the last two months, and found a little more of yourself to share in our mutual ministry. It has been incredibly amazing and humbling, not only for me, but for all of our staff to feel and to sense that support of this congregation in these challenging times. And so I want to use that as an opportunity to remind you that you, you hold the keys to Riverside Presbyterian Church's future. I've said that before a few times. I wanted to have, at least have a chance to say it once more. You hold the keys to Riverside Presbyterian's future, and you continue to be served by an amazing and excellent staff. You rest in God's, in, in good hands, God's hands too. I'm most pleased and touched by the fact that some of you have commended me for how I have somehow made the gospel of Jesus Christ come alive for you. Jesus asserts, and I agree, that heaven exhibits no greater joy a delight in which I get to share than one, when one who was lost in whatever way she or he was lost finds oneself found by the hound of heaven who will not rest until his own returns safely to him. Bigger budgets, better buildings, appreciated preaching, and progressive programs all pale in comparison to the one who says to me, ah, I get it now. That is why I keep doing this holy work. We've accomplished some important things together, and like a mother hen, I'm a little anxious about what, by design or shortness of time, we have left undone. While I rejoice in knowing that many of you have responded positively to God's word spoken from my mouth, I bemoan the fact that some members have walked away during my watch precisely because my proclamation and practice of faith did not connect with their wants and needs. For that, I'm sorry. No matter how thick-skinned I pretend to be, it's a painful occupational hazard that only God's grace can soothe. And the good news is that the great physician does. So I remain void and amazed by the awareness that God somehow continues to think that I'm useful in this work. We dwell temporarily in this roller coaster world, scented by joy and sorrow, tasting of anxiety and expectation. I'm being sent from one comfortable and pleasant place 
to another, though cooler, climb. Rochester had snow last weekend. Your pastor nominating committee will soon nominate the servant who will be gathered to join this fellowship in the near future. The gathering and sending of God, which has occurred many times in the life of this congregation and 15 times in my own life, will continue, and all will be well. With Isaiah, I worship that mysterious and loving God, the one whose call I will continue to answer as long as Christ's church needs me. So, the beat goes on. The beat goes on, gathering and sending, gathering and sending, the rhythm of the church. I want to keep seeking after God in everything and leading others to do the same. I've been told I have a little rhythm for a Dutch guy, where people are good liars, whatever the case may be, so it might not surprise you that I want to end this last message not with a sigh, but with a song. A personal theme tune for my mother, who's long since passed away, and now she's handed it off to me. I think many of you will know it, at least the chorus, and I invite you to join in if you are so moved. Don't. 